There is none like you, Lord God. We thank you for the privilege of being able to come together in your mighty name. And yes, indeed, you've given us the victory. And so, Lord, we celebrate the victory tonight. Which you've given unto us. We bless you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for our times together. Thank you for this new month. Thank you for the victory that's ours in this month of July. And it is subsequent months to come. Oh God, with a grateful heart, we say you are a great God. You are a wonderful one. You are a mighty one. You are an excellent one. You are a majestic one. We bless your name. Thank you, Father God. We honor you. We praise you tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Blessed be the name of the Lord God tonight. I am going to read from Matthew chapter 17. And I just want us to uh, kind of put a little pause to what we started on Wednesday night. Not a full stop, but just a pause. Because this is not just something we do for three nights and put asunder, but rather this is supposed to be a lifestyle for us. Uh, This past Sunday, we began to speak on I believe, and what God has said will come to pass. And then on Wednesday night, since we began the fast, as we anticipate the breakthroughs that are already ours, just a few of you guys say amen. Amen. See, I don't understand you guys. When the angel came to speak to Mary, she could have just heard what the angel said. And like some of us, just take it casually. But she didn't do that. Every chance she had, she, had, she agreed with heaven. Yes. And if we are to make victory our default, and believing our default, then we have to find every opportunity to agree with heaven. Amen. Yes. It's already done in the heavenly places. However, you and I must align ourselves to what's happening in heaven. How do you do that? One of the means you do that is what you say out of your mouth. Amen. When the angel spoke to Mary about what was to happen, she said, let it be unto me according to your word. And so I was saying to you, as I was saying, I was saying to you, God has already given us some victories in this morning and going forward. Amen. Now you talk like somebody that believes it. <laughs> no, Seriously. It's, it's just little things we need to adjust. Ah, okay. Years ago, this has been a long time now. Years ago, I can't remember how many years ago this is now. A friend of mine and I were flying from Atlanta to the UK. I don't want to mention his name. I don't want to mention his name. His wife was pregnant with her first child. And we were in the lounge waiting for the flight. And uh, I just said something casually that was, yeah, I would say maybe a little careless about, about the, the, the pregnancy. I can't remember exactly what it was now, to be honest. I really can't remember, but I said something. And immediately, he didn't, he didn't even have to think. He immediately said, I reject it. Immediately. 
Now, this been, this been, what I'm sharing with you has been at least maybe even 20 years. But I remember, you know why I remember it? Because I left saying to myself, wow, this guy is not, I mean, this life of faith and believing is not a, it's not a casual, careless thing. He immediately heard what I said and he immediately judged it that, hey, wait a minute, this is not my portion. And he immediately said to me, I reject it. Because for him, living by faith and being a believing believer is the default. That's his entire point of reference. And I'm looking at the guy today, I'm not surprised where he is, where he is. Listen, you don't succeed by accident. I mean, you, you can wish it all you want. I know we're living in, in a dispensation of grace. That's true. We're not going to take that back. But I'm telling you, God has put some things in his word that we must become very conversant with. But not only that, we must practice them. We have to be doers of the word. Yes. Amen? Amen. So Wednesday night, we establish the fact that what allows you and I to even be able to believe God is the fact that God first believes in you. <laughs> you, guys have not, you. You guys have not learned anything at all. I said God believes in you. I will not just say, I'll say, Amen. <laughs> it's the truth. You see, it is, it is this practice of these things. Before you know it, it's your lifestyle. It's your default. You go to work, somebody says something that's out of the ordinary. You say, wait a minute, that's not me. Immediately. Cut it loose before it becomes life. Because the words that you speak, Jesus said they are spirit and they are life. And life and death, the power of it is in the tongue. Amen. Amen. So if you've not heard anything, hear it tonight. God believes in you. Amen. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And then last night, we, we gave a very uh, contrasting uh, uh, distinction between a, an unbelieving person and a believing person. We saw that from Luke chapter 1. So tonight, I just want to go on and help us to see what are those traits that help us immediately, uh, that raises the flag, that helps us know, hey, wait a minute, I need to make some adjustments. Now, amen? amen? So let me just read this passage. Um, Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeled down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless, or another translation says, O unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked one demon. Oh, I'm sorry. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and he came out of him, and a child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, 
<laughs> this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Very quickly, let me just establish some things here. I believe there are four essential things in the kingdom of God in this hour and season which we're living in. I've said this before, but it bears repeating now in this setting because of what we are teaching. Number one, you must acquire the language of the kingdom in this season. We've said it, and I'm saying it again, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times has spoken to the fathers through the prophets. So, it tells you about what's happened in the past. In these last days, when is the last days? Right now. Right now. He's spoken to us by his son. Jesus today is the total, complete, full revelation of everything, everything God has said, will say, and will ever say. Did you get that? Yes. Let me break that down for you. Whatever you are reading, whether it's Bank Akimola that wrote it, Kenneth Copeland that wrote it, Kenneth He Hagen, Charles Moody, Billy Graham, whoever writes it, whoever is preaching it, Whatever Bible you're reading, NIV, AMPA, KJV, whatever it is, at the end of the day, God is saying Jesus becomes the pattern through which you interpret it. Yes. End of story. It doesn't matter whether Isaiah said it, Jeremiah said it, Nehemiah, not, it doesn't matter. In these last days, why? Because back in that day, God gave portions to Isaiah, portions to Jeremiah, portions to Moses, portions fragments, pieces to these people. And they were faithful with what they had. However, God is sent to us in these last days the culmination, the fulfillment, the fullness, the complete. Everything together comes from in one person, Jesus. It makes it all easier. So I'm not scratching my head to understand what Isaiah said. I'm not scratching my head to try to find out what Zephaniah all I have to do is bring the word and line it up like a plumb with Jesus. And I get a meaning. Simple. That's the language of God. Jesus. Second essential thing here is the culture of the kingdom must be acquired. If you are going to be effective in the kingdom. We've dealt with this a little bit and we said to you the culture of this kingdom in this hour, in this season is simply love. That's the nature of God. That's the culture of God. That's the environment in which God does everything he's doing. Now, they say, listen, I'm telling you all of this now. And then number three essential, we talk about the attitude of the kingdom. And the attitude of this kingdom now, this season, is gratitude. It's thanksgiving. Giving thanks continually for everything God has done, will do, and has ever done. Yes. Giving thanks. Being in that attitude of thanksgiving. How would you feel you gave your son, oh, a $100 bill or, you know, for him a nice gift and he just walks away from you? <laughs> you bring him back. Amen? Amen? Thanksgiving. That's the attitude. We should exude that. Paul was speaking in Philippians. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything. We pray and supplication with thanksgiving. So if we are praying and thanksgiving is lacking, you're wasting your time. That's the attitude of the kingdom of God. 
Now, now, the last essential, and which is what we've been dealing with for this last three days, is the operating system of the kingdom. You know the language. You understand the culture. You have the attitude of the kingdom. You are thanksgiving in orientation. You must have the correct operating system to function. And the operating system in the kingdom of God in this hour is faith or trust or believing. It's that simple. I, I personally believe I have the best phone in the universe. Smartphone, cell phone. Yeah, I do. You want to say it? By none, this is the best. This is the best. Best one. In the universe. You don't believe? Greg does not believe. He has to see to believe it. Blessed are those who believe without sin. <laughs> no, but seriously. I'm trying to make a point. As good as this phone is, I cannot work with an iPhone. The system in it is Android. Okay? So, if I want to do anything on this phone to be successful, to do it efficiently, effectively, I have to have Android applications. I'll be ridiculously foolish to be trying to use an Apple application on this phone. It doesn't work. Huge. Huge. I have the language. I have the culture. I have the right attitude. But on top of all of that, I must have the correct operating system. Otherwise, I'll be frustrated. And I will not get results. Amen? Amen. Now, we already said God gave us trust. He believed us. He believes in us. And therefore now, we have the ability to reap and reciprocate and believe him and trust him back. Good. Let's address two or three reasons for which Christians who are trusted and believed yet lack believing. Amen? Amen. Number one, biggest reason for which Christians get into unbelief is simply ignorance how God works. Ignorance. Jose tells us my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Being ignorant is not a virtue. Particularly when it comes to the operations of God. Huge. Case in point, Naaman the Syrian was leprous. Needed to be healed. Heard the good report about the God of Israel, how great a God he was and how a healer God is. He went to Israel Met the prophet, and the prophet simply says, Go to Abana and jump in the river there seven times. Amen? Amen. And the man almost blew his own healing. <laughs> Why? Because in his own mind, he was totally ignorant about how God works. He thought, as a general in the Syrian army, he would get there and give some instruction and do some crazy things that, like he did in the army, and things will happen. No, not with God. So the first thing you and I have to know. We have to be to come into the knowledge of how God 
operates. And part of that is what I just told you in those four things. Ignorance. Amen. Number two. Number two. Disappointment have a way of robbing us of our confidence and ultimately our ability to believe. You are expecting certain things to happen at a particular time and it didn't. That's what happened in Luke chapter 24 with those two disciples on the, on the way to Emmaus. They had anticipated that Jesus Christ would be the one that would restore the kingdom back to Israel and deliver them from Roman occupation. It didn't happen. Jesus died and they were so totally, completely disappointed and lost hope and therefore they stopped believing. So we can be ignorant, we can be disappointed because things did not go as we expected and one of the most deadly ones is tradition ways, traditional ways of thinking. Traditional ways of thinking. In Matthew chapter 7, let me read this. Traditional ways of thinking. Uh, where is that scripture? Okay, uh, let, let me just move on because uh, tra- traditional ways of thinking will rob you Jesus told those Pharisees, he said, uh, the traditions that they practiced had made the word of God of non-effect. This is what we used to do it in my old church. This is what we used to do it where in, 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 in Syria alone, in Nigeria, in Cameroon, and wherever the place is, in, in Jamaica, in Trinidad. And therefore, when I go here, that's the way it must be. You cannot bring that to God. We must be prepared to totally, completely abandon our old traditions and adopt kingdom traditions. Number four reason why Christians get into unbelief is that we yield to the spiritual climate, climate of where we are. Okay, let, 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 me, let me... Do you notice what's happened now this last week with the Supreme, Supreme Court ruling with the same-sex marriage thing? Do you know how easy it is if you live in the United States... To just adjust to that thinking because that's what's happening all around you. And then you can go to another nation where that's not the case, and you hear believers say, How what were you guys doing? What happened? How did it happen like that? There's a sense in which the spiritual climate of where you are can easily superimpose on you and make you go to sleep. That's why Hebrews 3.12 says, Beware, lest the evil heart of unbelief. That word beware, you know what it means? Be war. In other words, be at war. Wow. Ah, let's read it. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 12. Hebrews 3.12. How did it start? Beware. Beware, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Beware. Meaning, translation, be at war. So if you are living in a place where the spiritual climate, or maybe not even living there, you are at work in a place where everything is, is fine. You understand when you go to that job, you are at war. You have to be vigilant in your spirit. Otherwise, 
All the evil practices that's taking place there have a way of just sipping to you. You accept it, and before you know it, you are like it. Amen? Amen. So, now, let, let's now go back to um, what I said on Sunday about those giveaways that helps us identify the spirit of uh, unbelief. Now, if you paid attention when I was reading the opening passage in Matthew chapter 17 about a young boy that came that Jesus had to cast a demon out. If you notice that conversation, the father said to Jesus that the boy was epileptic. Do you remember that? If you read the same account in Mark chapter 9, that spirit was addressed as a deaf and dumb spirit. If you read Luke chapter 1, you see that Zechariah, who did not believe the message of God to him, also became deaf and dumb. So all you have to do is connect the dotted lines. And you will discover that a deaf and dumb spirit, an unbelieving spirit, and the spirit that's causing epilepsy are all one and the same. You guys get that? But I don't want you to get caught up in that, in the, in the uh, deaf and dumb or epilepsy. The bottom line of all of this is, the root cause of whatever adverse, perverted manifestation or spirit in the life of anyone boils down to one thing, unbelief. Don't chase shadows by chasing epilepsy. Chasing deaf spirit. Chasing dumb spirit. Chasing a spirit that makes a person get into the fire or in the water you'll be chasing shadows all day long because you are dealing with symptoms and manifestations and not the root. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? All of those things help you identify that, oh, you know what, something's happening. You need to address something. And when we pray tonight, you're going to see what, what, the prayer we're going to pray. Just one prayer. Just one prayer. Because what's happened for so long, for too long is, we have this laundry list of things that are wrong that we are aware of. So today I pray about the deaf spirit. Tomorrow I pray about the dumb spirit. What am I doing? I'm spending my productive life praying negative prayers. You didn't, you didn't hear what I said? So you remove deaf spirit. Dumb spirit, you remove it. Epilepsy, you remove it. How many more spirits come in there? Because if you don't, if you don't replace those things, with the right things, you're wasting your time. Dr. Hamby came here maybe a year or two ago. He said, what needs to be taking place is replacement theology. Yeah. And it's true. However, I think it's important for us to be able to identify. The reason these things are good is you identify by looking at these things and say, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I need to be careful here. I need to take care of this. Amen? So, the first one on this list from Sunday morning, is that a person with a deaf and dumb spirit, a person that operates in unbelief, number one, 
that manifests in their life is negative talk. Negative. There is no way you can dress the thing up. There's no way you can present it. They will find a way to tear it apart. Why am I telling you this? Number one, you need to know it for yourself. So that you can know that, wait a minute, I don't want to be like this. But secondly, you need to identify people around you that's like that. Get away from them. Yes. Amen. They will destroy your destiny. Before you can get off the gate, they've destroyed it. I don't want this people around me. I told you that on Sunday. From Sunday going forward, I don't want any more negative people around me. Go find somebody else. Yes, sir. Amen. Listen, I know it works. It's just that when we became Christians, we became a little careless. Let me tell you how I know it works. When I first left Nigeria the first time, as a 17-year-old kid, I went to Canada. That was the place we were going in those days. But we went there without a visa. Why? Because you got your visa at the point of entry. And so, in Lagos where I lived, the first thing to do in the evenings, after work, where we just sit in the balcony, all the, all the guys, and we are talking about, oh, John went last week. We're going to see what happened to him. In three days, John is back. <laughs> True story. So the next person that's going is Sally. Sally left. Four days later, she's back. Because at the point of entry, they failed the interview. We all bought round-trip tickets. Mr. Major of Sabena sold us round-trip tickets, which we know we cannot fly back on. <laughs> True story. So after about six or some people that I know has gone, come back. Ah! We now know that anybody that comes and says you can't go, you won't make it, Stay away from them. I'm telling you the truth. So, as we sit in the evenings and these boys are coming, say, ah, don't try it, oh, those guys are wicked. Ah, okay, I'm moving to the room. I don't want to talk to you. And so, when I left, that March 16, 1972, I had no iota doubt in my mind that if they brought a gorilla to the point of entry, they would stamp my passport. Because I had shielded myself from all the negative talk. There was no question they were asking that I had not anticipated. So what I'm saying to you, it works. If as an unbeliever, it worked for me. And I told you on Sunday, God reigns on the just and the unjust. And everyone that believes, receives. Everyone. It doesn't matter whether you are Buddhist, Hindus, Muslim. I don't care who you are. It is a principle of God. And God will honor himself. Not you necessarily, but himself. Yes. You believe, you get it. Yes. I believe that the point of entry, I got in. Yes. Easy. 
So I'm saying to you, first identify yourself. Are you negative? You say, okay, okay, pastor, break it down. How do I know if I'm negative? Okay. Is what you are saying edifying the hearer? Is it empowering them to succeed? Or is it taking away from them? If it's not empowering them to succeed, it's negative. Now you say, well, pastor, if I need to criticize something constructively, how do I do that? That's a different thing. And your attitude and the tone of your language and your gesticulation will help us know whether you are negative or positive. Yeah. Listen, I love you guys, but I'm saying to you, stay away from me. I'm on my way somewhere. I'm serious. I want to take you with me, but if you don't want to go, don't, hey, don't become a clog in my wheel. Yeah. Absolutely. That's one. Now, the biblical example for this you see in 1 Samuel chapter 16. I need to move forward. I need to run quickly. David, young boy, on the way to go take care of Goliath, he heard what the king said. Whoever kills Goliath, I'll give a tax free in Israel and the daughter of the king. What? Did I hear that right? David said. Is there enough motivation here? Absolutely. I'm in. His brother said, ah, what is wrong with you? Are you here because of your insolence? Now, does that empower? No. I see. Does that add value to anybody? No. Negative talkers. This boy is on his way to the throne and his negative brothers while nibbing at his root, trying to destroy him and be a destiny destroyer. Stay away from those people. That's number one. Number two, those, or number two attitude here is being pessimist. Being a pessimist. Being a pessimist. Those are those who always question the outcome or the reality of what you're talking about. A good example. Second Kings. I won't read it. In chapter 7, verse 12. Elisha came to the king and said, By this time tomorrow, a seal of flour <laughs> will be so cheap. I mean, you guys will not even. You, 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 it will be so cheap, it will be ridiculous in a time of famine. And the man upon whom the king leans, which means a close personal advisor of Correct. the king. Correct. If the windows, if there are windows in heaven, can they ever come to pass? Pessimist. The man of God has spoken. The man that the king listens to for advice said, King, it's not possible. And the prophet said, You will see it, but you won't partake of it. It didn't happen. Came to pass just like that. Is that you? Are you a pessimist? God says he wants to bless you beyond and above your wildest imaginations. You say, no, no. Do you remember where you came from? You know your village. We, we know which village you came from. Be careful. All this thing you're talking about. Did your father have one like that? Pessimist. You are limiting your own progress on the basis of what you know. Do you know how inexhaustible God is in his knowledge? And you're trying to judge where God is taking you based on your vocabulary. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. God said, I will do exceedingly, abundantly, 
above what your tiny little bitty weeny brain can think or ask. But you are trying to measure him by, by what you know with your, with your senses. And then unfortunately, you speak out unbelief to other people. Number three attitude here is, the attitude that says, we are not able. We are not able. Numbers 13, verses 32 and 33. We are not able. It's not possible. Go and get a promised land. No, we are not able. Why are you not able? Then Paul said, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. So where does this thing about not being able, where does that come from? Anything that says to you is you are not able, I'm telling you tonight, is straight from the devil. And if you buy into it and accept that, you are walking in unbelief. Yep. We're not able. If, if, if God is not able or does not want to do it, you say, I don't want to do it. But don't say we are not able. Don't say we are not able. Don't say we are not able. Amen? Amen. Number four. Number four. This has to do with where we're so encompassed with so much problems. And we become problem-focused rather than God-focused. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Revelation, I thought you were going to be one at a time. What happened? Huh? I, I can't hear you. Now, now you're stammering. I'm not in number four yet. It just came up. It just came up. Sir. It just came up. Yeah. Being problem-focused. You see the problem just now? <laughs> in other words, listen, while we are living on this earth, there'll be issues. There'll be problems. So what God wants you and I to do is, in those moments, rather than focus on the problem, focus on the God who can trouble your tr- trouble for you. Amen. Focus on him. He's bigger than your problem. What can be bigger than a person dying? Lazarus, they brought the news to Jesus. They said the man is sick. And Jesus took his jolly time for four more days. And he knew by the fourth day that the guy was gone. Without them telling him. And I got they said, believers doubt that I'm the resurrection and life. The only prerequisite was, do you believe? Wow. Martha was stammering. But her the- the religious the- the theology out. Oh, well, you know, uh, I believe that in the future, yes, uh, there will be resurrection. Yes, yes. And when Jesus comes back. Some ridiculous thing like that. And life was standing before her. Life. God will help me and you that we will not be like Judas. Amen. Where we will kiss the door and miss the entry. Amen. God help us. Sometimes we get weighed down by these problems, but I'm telling you, the way out of them is focus on the God who's bigger than the problems. Amen. Another one is reasoning. Reasoning. Being analytical. 
You know, some of us we went to school for this. Our degrees is in analysis. So we are, we are, we, they've taught us how to be analytical. So now you come to God in the kingdom and you want to bring that head to the matters of the kingdom. In the holies of holies, there is only one headship. You leave your natural head in a, in a holy place. There's only one head. Jesus said, he made it clear, he is the head. He said, will there be a body where he can lay his head? It's not talking about your head, only his head needs to be laid. Your body is the structure that he said can fit on. In other words, he does not want you thinking for yourself. Let him do the thinking for you. I have the mind of Christ, he says. Forget your analysis. How, how far has that brought you up till now? Tell me. Please. We analyze the thing to death. Analysis syndrome. You analyze and calculate and calculate 10 pages of God. At the end of the page, the balance is zero. <laughs> Nothing. And then you go back tomorrow and do the same thing again. Something that didn't work for yesterday. Do you see how crazy this thing can be? Reasoning. Reasoning. Listen, the thing God will tell you and I to do, if you if you try to factor it through easily, you will not do it. That's, that's true, you will not do it. There have been some places we went for which we had no visas, no permits, but because God said it, we went and doors opened. Wow. I can't talk about these things specifically because uh, you know these things may be on tape. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you. If, you, if you're going to follow God, you need to put your reason in a suitcase and lock it up and throw the key away. And say to God, if I fail, let me fail because I'm following you. Yes. Oh, I'll, listen, I'll take that any day. I'd rather fail with God yes. than stand alone. Now, grasp up mentality, you know what that is. Belittling yourself. You belittle yourself, you belittle God. Ah, cut your coat according to your size. We have some, some language. But in, whoever created those languages, they should bring them here. Let us flog the person tonight. Ah! Cut your coat according to your size. Why would I want to do a thing like that? What is my size? Oversized. What you see here now is not me. This is not me. No. That's where we get it wrong. What you are looking at is not you. The real you is a spirit that lives in the body. The Bible says the heavens, even the heavens cannot contain God. So how are you going to measure this suit that you're going to put yourself in? Cut your coat according to your size. That's a vocabulary. Don't receive it and don't speak it to anybody else. <laughs> now, the last point, which is the one that's really the mother of all these issues, is the one that's called the big F. Fear. 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 And that's where we're going to tie, tie all these th- things together. Fear. At the end of the day, the reason I'm negative, pessimistic, reasoning, saying we are not able, and on and on and on. The reason at the end of the day is fear. Yes. Yes. 
Fear. Suppose God don't do what he says he's going to do. Suppose it doesn't happen. Did you not read and hear what the three Hebrew boys said? Oh king, we do not care to follow your instruction in this matter. For our God is well able to deliver us. However, paradventure, even if he chooses not to, we still will not bow. Listen, give Satan your best shot up front. Up front. Let him know there's no negotiation going back and forth. It's not a bazaar. The kingdom of God is not free market. <laughs> no. Let him know up front. Listen. I'm putting it all out there. This is my position. And even if it does not work, Satan, I will not bow. Why and how can you get this attitude? Now, this is, how we, this is where we're going to pray now. How, how can you overcome this? Now, I can give you 19 lists. Fast and pray, which is important. That's why we're doing that now. That's important. Meditating the word of God. On and on. I, I have them. I have a list. But as I was meditating this afternoon, even though I had a list of things, God said to me, Ben, you're wasting your time. True story. True story. First John. First John. If you want the list, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I have the list here. But I don't want to give you something that will work for you today, but will not keep you for the duration. First John chapter 4. Hear what it says. Verse 15. 1 John 4, 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Verse 16. We are talking about believing, 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 believing. Believing what? What is the essence? What are we trying to believe in? Is it just that Jesus is the Son of God? That's good. That's a good start. What are we believing in? Look at verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Full stop. We must acquire the language. Jesus. Sonish. We must understand the culture. Love. We must have the attitude. Thanksgiving. We must have the operating system. Faith. But fear is a serious crippling problem that does not allow me to believe God. How do I overcome this fear? Simple. By believing, first of all, by knowing and believing that God loves me. It's so simplistic. If I was to, if, if we are like Naaman tonight, I'll make it hard and give you 19 steps. You will appreciate it. But look at what the Bible says. 1 John 4, 16. Let me read it again. And we have known. So you have to know first. And then believed in the love that God has for us. Why is this important? For those of you that have young kids, you, you, you understand what I'm saying. You go into a swimming pool and you tell your son or your daughter to jump. You are in the pool with your arms stretched. You say, 
honey, jump. Do you think the child is going to be afraid? No. The child is not afraid. Even though if the father or mother does not catch the child, the child may drown in that swimming pool. But as far as the child is concerned, they are so secured in the love of the father or mother that's beacon and said, jump. They are not thinking of how deep the water is. They are not thinking of the possibility that the father or mother may not catch them. All they're hearing is the voice of the father say, come on, jump. I love you. Jump. And they'll jump and do it over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because they are absolutely secured in the love of their parents. And God is saying to you, consider me how I take care of the ravens. The despised, very selfish bird that cannot take care of itself. I take care of them. They don't like anything. Are you not much better than a fowl or a bird? Consider the lilies, he says. They do not talk. They do not spin. But you look at them and you say how beautiful they are. They are here today and gone tomorrow. How much more you? The key to unbelief, the key to unraveling it and overcoming it once and for all is to be secured in the love that God has for us. Because the Bible says in that first John chapter 4, perfect love cast out fear. Fear has torment. But perfect love cast out fear. If I mature in the love of God for me, fear will be gone. And when fear is gone, I will not be afraid to take a step. I will not be afraid to launch out. I will not be afraid to see the impossible become possibility. Why? I have the confidence that all of heaven is behind me. We can't get away from this. Galatians 5, 6. Faith walketh by love. Faith, believing, trusting. What fuels it? What motivates it? What makes it work? Love. So if I'm negative, if I catch myself saying something negatively, immediately I say, bank, I need a little more love. If I catch myself being pessimistic, immediately I catch myself saying, oh man, I need a little more love in this area. Do you see what I'm saying now? If I catch myself reasoning, debating on the issue, ah, can God make $5, $15? Can he make $15 a thousand? You're scratching your head. You bite your nails off. I mean, you, you are going crazy. And I'm like, immediately I say to myself, bank, why are you getting into this? You need more love. So I reject the reasoning. I receive love. Yes. On and on and on. Yes, sir. That's what's going to need to happen. Did you guys get it? Yes. Does it make any sense? Fear is the underlying root of all these troubles. And there's only one thing that can eliminate fear. Now you say, Pastor, I can pray against the spirit of fear. Well, good. If that's where you are, fine. And you know what's amazing? God honors it sometimes. But I'm just telling you, that's not what's going to take you over. It's not. It's not. Because if we get rid of fear and you don't feel it with something else, what happens? 
<laughs> so now anxiety grips you now. Something has come in there. So rather than trying to eliminate something, replace something. Come to our feet tonight. Pastor Luatosin, will you come please? Come on, help me out tonight. No, but really, I, I want to make sure. Do, do we get this though? Love is what we need. Oh, why it's nine oh seven already? My goodness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Love is what we need. Love is what we need. Amen. I believe. Let's just lift up our hands tonight. Symbol of receiving. Let's receive another measure of God's love. Let's receive another measure of God's love. Ah, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.